Bless the Lord today. If you love him, you may be seated. God bless you. We love you, Jesus. Woo, I feel God, man. I love it when I feel Jesus like this in church. It's not just hype. I can be hyped at a game. I can be hyped, you know, at a party. But I just sense God in the two or three gathered here together. I am so excited to welcome our newest member. I don't know her name yet, but I believe she's only, what, two or three weeks old? Three weeks tomorrow. And what's her name? Abby? Natalie, let's welcome Natalie. Amen, you guys are excited. That's okay. Today is also a special day because we're gonna be ordaining deacons in the house of the Lord today, amen. We are a church that is built upon elders and deacons. We believe in the fivefold ministry gifts, gifts being that which they function in. But those who are called to be leaders in the church are called to be elders and deacons. Those are the only prerequisites that we get. If I can pronounce that word, prerequisites. We don't have prerequisites. Uh, let's say uh, we do not have, um, what's another word than prerequisites? I'm, I'm saying it better now. What's another word? What's that? Qualifications. There we go. We do not have qualifications for pastors, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. Where does it say in the Bible, if you want to be an evangelist, do this. If you want to be an, a pastor, you have to be these kinds of things. That is uh, because I believe it's a gift. In other words, when I first got saved, God gave me the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it was my job to discover them with the Holy Spirit over my lifetime. So I had the gift of preaching and teaching, but that doesn't mean that that day I was ready to preach and teach. Brother, would you get the notes uh, up there for us, please, and uh, prepare? Thank you. Uh, that doesn't mean that I was ready to start preaching and teaching or to evangelize for that matter, but I did have the gift. Somebody say the gift. Can you put the title uh, slide up there, please? Somebody say the gift. Thank you. The gift was given, but I had not been tested, had not been approved. I had not checked off any of the boxes that a leader must check off. So the Bible is very clear that spiritual gifts, charis, charisma, charisma, these are gifts. And if you look throughout the Bible, you'll see about three different categories of gifts. And we have talked about this before. And one of the categories of gifts is ministerial gifts. So oftentimes we elevate those ministerial gifts. Uh, the gifts mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4 that talk about apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, uh, and evangelists. And we, we elevate those. But there's a whole lot of other gifts in the Bible. There's spiritual gifts just in general for the building up of the body of Christ. Those are mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then in Romans chapter 12, there's administrative of gifts. And it actually lists one of the gifts as administration, the gift of generosity, and so forth. And Paul, if you know anything about him when he's making lists, he, he doesn't do it in a clear-cut uh, box fashion. He kind of does it in conjoined circles. He kind of overlaps quite a bit. Uh, just for example, if you look at the, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit, you don't find hope in the fruit of the Spirit. But in another list, he says the greatest among these is faith, hope, and love, or hope, 
what is it? Yeah, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is what? Love. So he makes a list of three and says hope is the best. Uh, and he includes faith and love in there. But uh, when he makes the list of nine, he doesn't include hope, but he includes faith and love. Are you tracking with me? So it's kind of like overlapping. And you're supposed to understand that lists were there for us to understand. And I say all of that to say this, that when it comes to gifts, we shouldn't try to prioritize one or the other. And we shouldn't be primarily known by our gifts. We should be known by our character in our offices. And that's where, why when uh, you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, we see that Paul is telling Timothy, his spiritual son, this is a pastoral letter. He says, I want you to appoint to put into place these offices of elder, and then he goes into deacon. And so we know that those are not necessarily gifts, even though we know everything can be categorized as a gift of God, but we know these are things you're appointed to. So I like to look at it like I'm anointed by the Holy Spirit and appointed by people by the Holy Spirit. It's still the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit alone can give me the gift to pastor, to be an apostle, as a church planner, missionary. That's how we see that and so forth. But it takes men and women leadership by the Holy Spirit to appoint me. Somebody say, I'm anointed by the Holy Spirit alone, but I'm appointed by the Holy Spirit and people. Okay, just something, a way to look at anointing and appointing. And so today what we want to do is recognize that people in our church have done the things to make them qualified to be deacons. So I want to talk to you today about reliable people. Somebody say reliable people. Thank you. Let's go to the notes now. Let's, let's go here. And would you please start in the introduction because there's a passage there that I want us to go to first. I believe it's in the book of Matthew. Uh, yeah, turn with me to Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. How many would say about yourself, you're reliable? How many would say that if I asked you right now, if we were doing somewhat of a a job interview or a church interview, and I asked you, are you reliable? How many would say, yeah, I'm pretty reliable? How many of you uh, have a wife or a spouse? Would they say you're reliable? How many of you work a job? Would your boss say you're reliable? How many of you are already involved in the church, in a life group, or in a team? How many of those leaders would say you're reliable? How many know that changes now? Uh, hopefully, everybody would have the same impression about you that you have of yourself. But oftentimes, that is not true. Oftentimes, people are not reliable, and they think that they are. And the Bible wants us to be reliable. The Bible wants us to be committed. When the Bible calls us to be disciples, what word What word do you hear in the word disciple? Disciple. See, disciplined disciple come from that same root word, don't they? And so disciplined people of a teacher are disciples. Can you have a disciple without discipline? Can you be disciplined without being reliable? No, because if you're not reliable, if you're not somebody that, that people can count on, you're not able to follow that teacher or that organization or that family. You will fail at Jump Street right at the beginning. Because to, to be able to grow in the position that you're in, whether it's your job or your church, you have to be reliable. How many know just showing up is part of the battle? And, and oftentimes it's a very important part of the battle because if you don't show up, you can't do all the rest. 
So uh, showing up to your marriage, men, is important, and you will learn to, to treat her as Christ does the church. Ladies, showing up to your marriage is important, and being there present in your mind, not only in your body, will be important to you respecting and honor your husband as the church uh, does Jesus. Uh, coming to church, being reliable, being here is how you learn to grow in your Christianity. You will not grow in your Christianity by being away from Christians very well. Uh, you will not grow in ministry, evangelism, teaching of the gospel, or serving you know, as we set up tents and overflow and so forth unless you are a part of it. Now, in Matthew chapter 10, the reason why I want to start here is because I want to go right to this thing that people throw into this discussion about reliability in the church, and they say something like, Man, I'm reliable to Jesus. I mean, Jesus can count on me. I'm trustworthy when it comes to Jesus, but the church, I mean, that's this man's religion. I don't necessarily need to do that. I'll come when I feel like it. And so they get this distinction between Christ and the church where Christ did not make that distinction. Christ did not make that distinction. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, and it says, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. Boom, right there. Right there, do you see right at the beginning, there is a unification with Christ in his church. So when we're out witnessing and someone says, oh, it's good to see you Christians out there. Who are they welcoming right there? Jesus. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Now, if we had time, we could go into John 17 and understand that as Jesus is one with the Father, so now the disciples are one with Jesus. Now, this does not mean that we are ontologically in our nature the same as Jesus, that we are God like him. No, but what it means is that we are unified in purpose. That's why we have to be careful if we use the scripture... My father and I are one when we're debating with a Muslim showing the Trinity because in context, that is not talking about ontological nature. That is talking about unification of purpose. We can show in John 1, 1 that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, sharing the same divine nature as God, and scroll down to one eighteen and say, no one has ever seen God, but God the Son, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. We can build those arguments from other places, but if we go to a place like the Father and I are one, and we just try to show shove that into a discussion of the Trinity. We're not understanding John 17 and the prayer of Jesus because they will be right if they are informed to point right back out to you. Yes, he says, I and the Father are one. And then right in the same prayer, he says, me and my disciples are one. So you don't want that to backfire on you as you're understanding the nature of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, sharing unity, not only in purpose, but also in nature. But it is good to understand this, that we are one with Jesus in his purpose. And even then, the Holy Spirit comes with us and lives in us, and, it's, and, and the Scripture says we partake of the divine nature. We do not become the divine nature, just like you do not become the pizza you eat, but you do partake of it, and there is a substance that is in you from that. And the Bible literally says we are uh, these jars of earth and vessels of, of made of clay, and we contain the glory of God. Isn't that amazing? Anyone, Jesus said, who welcomes you, you welcomes me, and if they welcome me, they welcome the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet, as a prophet receives a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person, as a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. Are there any righteous people in the house today? Amen. Brother, whatever you've done, if you could put it back for me, please. Thank you. 
Prophets are in the house of God. I believe these are those who speak on his behalf. And we see that in the church, all of these things are being done. So if somebody were to say, man, I I do this with Jesus. I welcome Jesus. Jesus, come into my house. Come into my house. I welcome you. See, I'm one with you, Jesus. But we don't do that with the church. We don't do that with righteous people. We don't do that with people who have the gift of prophecy. We don't do that with others. We are actually rejecting Jesus. It's quiet when I preach like that, but isn't that true? That's true. We are obligated to display our love for God by loving people. We are obligated by the scriptures, by Jesus himself, to display our honor for Jesus and his teaching by honoring others who say his teaching. Go to Hebrews 13, 17 for Lanyap. Come on, swipe over to the Bible app, please. Go open it quickly. Hebrews 13, 17 gives us a clear indication. When you look at Matthew 28 and you compare this to Hebrews 13, 17, they both use the same word, obey. Go to the King James, please, or the ESV, something other than the NIV here. It's not inspired. Can I, can I just be honest with you? It doesn't always do me right. Uh, go, yeah, pick one of these goodies. Go to the King's version. When you see this word here in Hebrews 13, 17, you begin to understand that there is a confidence in what we should have in our leadership. Go on and scroll all the way down. Uh, you're in 1 Peter 5, 8. For whatever reason, it's not connecting. Thank you. The word is obey. Somebody say obey. Now, in uh, Matthew chapter 28, it says, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So just go back to that NIV version, go all the way there to the left, and then click there, put Matthew uh, 28, 19. And so you can see the same word obey, and it should be obey in the NIV for the, the Hebrews version. Jesus said to his disciples, to his disciplined followers, teach the new disciples that you make, because you highlight verse 20 there with it says obey. It says, teach them, Jesus speaking, to obey everything. Somebody say obey everything. Okay, but now go to Hebrews 13, verse 17. See it clearly. Hebrews, now it's tracking with, isn't that weird? Go, now just put in uh, Hebrews 13, 17 again. Sorry, guys. It's, uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Now look at it here. It says, obey your leaders. Everybody say, obey your leaders. Obey Obey them that have rule over you. Submit yourselves to them, for they watch for your souls, as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. That is unprofitable for you. Does everybody see the comparison right there? I know it was a little Bible hopscotch, but did you catch it? Did it? Did we see Teach them, Jesus said, to obey everything I've taught you. Teach them to obey. Then Hebrews, written by one of the apostles, who I believe is probably Paul, he then says, make sure you're obeying your leaders. So how does this obey waterfall work? Father sends the son, son obeys the father. Father and son send the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit obey the father and son. Holy Spirit empowers the disciples to obey the Father, Son, and Spirit. And now the disciples make new disciples that obey their leaders that are obeying the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Are you tracking with me? So is there such a thing as a Christless Christian? No. There is no such thing as a Christless Christian. You cannot be a Christian without Christ. Now is there any such thing as a churchless Christian? There is no such thing. Now... 
before we get concerned and wonder about church hoppers going to heaven or hell, and that's people who always are looking for a church and so forth, we're not talking about whether or not you have found a local church to belong to. We know theologically that we're a part of the unified body of Christ, even if we're separated from local churches. But when we go to the example of Scripture, and since we're here in the Bible app, just go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, we see uh, that the local church, and thank you for your help back there, brother, uh, the local church is the representative of the big C church. Look at Paul just writing one of the churches here in Ephesus. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So you notice this is the plurality of the people and they are gathering together. Does everybody see that? They are a holy people. They are a faithful people. And they are continuing in the things of Christ. Now, if we could go back to the notes, I want you to see how important reliability is in all of this. Uh, let's go to the book of First Timothy. Excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. How many are happy to be in church today? Yeah. Amen. It's good to have you here. Now, I don't think it's any coincidence that we're doing an ordination service during the time of our transition from persecution and then going from glory to glory, okay? So there's some new folks here and there's some old folks that have left and that's always gonna be a part of the church and we don't do anything kind of normal around here. So our transitions are not like little speed bumps. They're like jumping over the Grand Canyon, okay? So that's how we transition from this area to the next area. It just seems how God has been working in our ministry. So thank you for those of you who have come during this transition. And what is cool is that those of you who are new is you're seeing the ones who stuck with us and have been with us for years before this, and now they're being appointed as deacons today. And we'll talk about what they did uh, for that qualification in just a moment. But today we need to very specifically point out a, a aspect of their lives that I think is good to repeat and to encourage to you here today. And that's reliability. Could somebody say Reliability. Thank you. And, and in reliability, we also have loyalty. You can't be reliable without being loyal. Look at 2 Timothy here. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 15 here. Uh, what, what chapter is it? Oh, chapter 1. Thank you. Chapter 1, verse 15 of 2 Timothy. I got it right there. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phlygilius and Hermonogenes. Now, that's not cool. I mean, how many of you would like to have your names written in the Bible for forsaking Paul? That's not cool, but it happened. People left Paul. Paul, we're out of here. Now, here's the thing that I've known about unreliable people. I've been pastoring over 20 years, started at uh, 22 years old in my house, and now I'm 43. Don't let the hair fall, uh, fool you. I'm not 60. I am 43, and I've been pastoring over 20 years. It's been a wonderful ride with Jesus. And I've met all kinds of unreliable people, and they have all kinds of reasons to be unreliable. Uh, at the beginning of our ministry, I had to do everything, and that's uh, from driving the bus to picking up people for church to cleaning the church, and this was predominantly in New Orleans when I used to do a lot of that. When we started here, we had a little bit more help, and I was married, but just track with me. I would hear just the craziest of reasons. So so-and-so said they're going to be ready Sunday morning for church. I'm going to pick them up and bring them, but oh no, they forgot they have laundry. 
So imagine that you're the pastor driving the bus. That's always fun before you preach. And you get to have the great encouragement from the people you're coming to pick up in the bus you're driving before the church you preach at get to tell you that laundry is just a little bit more important today. And so you have to smile and say, Jesus loves you. I'll see you next week as you grab a hold of those wheels and just Christian cuss them out and say, Lord, forgive me. And Christian cussing out is not like how the world cusses out. Christian cussing out is like, Lord, bless them real good. Lord, bless them. Because you don't really mean it, do you? You're upset. It's like your, your blessing has become a curse. You know what I'm saying. You don't really mean those things and you're trying to figure it out. How did I find myself here? And, uh, and, then, and then I'm just telling you, and just those reasons would just continue on. I would hear them all the time. It was as if, you know, like a 4th of July weekend, everything else was the priority, but they couldn't come to church today. Why? Because they they were busy all weekend on the boat. They were doing this thing with their friends and family. They need to sleep in. Um, Oftentimes when people would be sick and they, uh, you know, of course, it's good to stay home when you're sick, especially during this time. But, you know, people would always want that Sunday to be a buffer day. I just want to make sure I'm okay for work, you know, just resting up here a little bit. And, and, and these people have those reasons. But, but it's not only just the, the visitors, the, the people on the outskirts. I've seen uh, unreliability from the highest level. Uh, one of my friends who was a pastor, some of you know, uh, was a pastor one day and the next day he wasn't. And he basically said to the elders, here's the bank account. Here's the, the goodies for you to do the thing. I'm out. Figure it out now. Y'all crazy. And he did some real cussing out. It wasn't pretend uh, uh, Christian cussing out. He had been cussing them out for a while, I heard. And he just said, I'm done. I've seen unreli- uh, ir- is it unreliability. Unreliable, not irreliable. That's irresponsible. Irresponsible, unreliable. Help me, Jesus. I get paid to talk for a living. I need your help right now, Jesus. They're all looking at me, Lord. Okay, I feel God now. Oh, hell. All right. Help is coming irresponsibility and unreliability go hand in hand. You're irresponsible when you do something like that as a pastor. You're, you're unreliable. My wife was a part, and this is not just non-denominational churches. Some people say, well, that's just you guys who start in storefronts and you're young and crazy and that's how it always ends or something happens, you steal money or whatever. No, it actually happens in denominational churches. My wife was a part of a great denominational church over 100 years old, and uh, there was an argument between the pastor and the deacons about how they are going to shovel the snow in wintertime. They couldn't resolve it, and so uh, what had happened was he said, I'm just going to shovel it. So he went out, God is my witness, true story. God is my witness. He said, I'm going to go out and buy the shovels, get the brothers to to shovel the thing, and then that's how we're going to do it. And the deacon said to him, you did not have that expense approved. We were going to do something different, which I guess was going to pay more money to have it removed. I don't know, but this is a true story. And the pastor said, if you are going to hold me to such a tight budget where I cannot buy a shovel to shovel the snow, then I'm out of here. So that was Saturday pastor shoveling the snow for church, having the argument showing up Sunday morning, I resign, 100-year-old church. My wife was there, heard the discussion, and this was his way on, this is what he said on the way out. He said, all the weddings that I planned, it's over. Don't expect me to be there. Y'all figure it out with these guys. Seriously, if you were expecting me to do the counseling next week, it is over. My day working for you is done today. I'm telling you. So don't just say it's the, it's the first time visitor that does this. No, I've heard it from the pastor that does this. And so Paul goes, hey, here's two guys. They just left me. 
Now, everyone had left him, so he probably had more than two friends, but he points out these people. Why? Because they probably hurt him the most. He's talking to Timothy here, and he's probably saying, you know these guys. These were the guys that we always shared meals with together. These were the guys that were ride or die. These were the people who said, if anything happens, I'm still here with you. And, and, and now he's saying uh, uh, to Timothy, Paul's saying, those guys are even gone. And he says, may the Lord show mercy to the household of Aniphorus because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. You see that? Loyalty, uh, disloyalty, loyalty. Irresponsible, responsible. You know, unreliable, reliable. And, and so we, we, we get here a question. Which one do we want to be? Which one do we want to be? Because we're all going to have reasons to be irresponsible. We all do. How many of you have woke up in the morning and you just felt a little bit sick? But then as you got about your day, it just was because you had phlegm in your throat, you know? And you got to make some decisions. But you could have used that as your original excuse. How many know what I'm talking about? Come on. How, how many of you have woken up and, and you've seen that the car, you know, the tire looks a little flat or whatever, and you know you could call that in, but you know you also have a spare. So you say to yourself, how bad do I want to go to my job today? Uh, boss, I got a flat. This is going to take me a while. I got to go here to this tire shop. And you have a spare, and your job's only 10 minutes away. But, you know, I got to do this. How many know the difference between that and, boss, I'm right on my way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this thing, crank it out, get it done. We, we always can find reasons to be um, unreliable. Think about a, a marriage. And sadly, I've had to be a part of these final discussions before the big D comes down, the divorce. And, and you, you hear this person build up this whole case against the other one. You know, it's just, if you were listening and you were Judge Judy, the first one who speaks, you would always be on their side. You know, the man starts speaking. She doesn't love me. She doesn't take care of me. She doesn't do the things she used to. And then sometimes all you have to do is just let them talk and then just ask the, the question, so who's the other person doing that for you now? Because oftentimes they have now replaced that person with somebody else and now their way out is just to bash this other person. Because truly, if it was an issue of the love not being there, the flame has died out and all of that, then you would be sitting here working on the flame. You'd be, you'd be fanning it. You'd be putting things on it. But when the mind has checked out, the body is soon to follow. Are you listening to me? And when you're looking for an excuse to quit, there's always one to find. When you're looking for an excuse to quit, there's always one to find. But Onesiphorus, he said, I'm not leaving. I get it. When I show up here to bring the apostle water, people on my job are probably going to see me. Who, who are you going to go see? You're not going to go see that Paul guy that we arrested the other day. You're not still with him, are you? Yeah. yeah I'm going to go see him. I still believe in what Paul's doing because he's refreshed me. He's not ashamed of my chains. Could you imagine being ashamed of Paul's chains? The Bible actually says that there were times that apostles would sneak in while the other churches were left alone because Paul's in jail. And they would say, hey, you guys don't have an apostle here? Guess what? I'm here. And I'm better than Paul. I don't get arrested. You know why I don't get arrested? Because I know how to say everything you want to hear. 
I know how to make the Jews happy. I know how to make the Romans happy. Man, I'll make you happy. And you know what? I'm so much wiser than Paul. If Paul wasn't just such a rigid, in-your-face leader, he could be more like me. But he's not. I'm like me, and I'm the best. And Paul literally writes to these people, and he goes, you have become kings, and we're the scum of the earth. Your leaders are so wise, and we are fools. He says, on the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me and found me. Some of you have searched hard for a church like this, and I appreciate you finding it, and I pray that we'll be loyal to you as well. He searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he has helped me in Ephesus. Let's keep going now to chapter uh, two. No chapters and verses in the original version. So just kind of reading through this letter. You then, my son. So he, he builds on this example. And I love, I love Paul that he has no problem naming names and using people as examples. He basically goes, don't be like these Oompa Loompas. Be like this person and I'm gonna make it plain to you. Because we all could sit back here and go, thank God I'm not that one that left, or thank God I'm not. No, but Paul now says, who are you going to be? So he used, no, notice the apostolic uh, tradition here. Notice the example. This is what Paul does. This is his modus operandi, his mode of operating. He uses people as his examples. You know their names, and now he makes it personal. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to what kind of people? Come on, what kind of people? Y'all just waiting for the karaoke guy to help you out? Bounce the little blue ball over here today? Come on, what kind of people? Reliable people. Entrust this to reliable people who will also be what? Qualified to teach others. So, Timothy, you got to go on the lookout now for reliable people. Don't just find the ones who proclaim their faithfulness. The Bible says many proclaim their faithfulness, but a faithful man is hard to find. Can I get an amen from the sisters or just anybody? Come on, come on. A lot of men have proclaimed their faithfulness to the ladies in this church, but faithful man is hard to find. And so Paul is teaching us that there are many qualifications. He's already gone through them. In 1 Timothy 3, we'll go through them in just a moment. But he says, before you have these qualified people, you first got to make sure that they're reliable. Before you can be awesome at your job, you got to be committed to your job. Before you can be awesome at your marriage, you got to be committed to your marriage. Before you can be awesome at your church, you have to be committed to your church. And so what Paul is teaching us here is that the qualifications are going to be very important. But the first thing you have to know is you got to make sure they're reliable. And then now look at the examples Paul uses right here. Join with me, Timothy, in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So Timothy, don't run away scared. Don't disjoin yourself from me. Don't disconnect from me now, Timothy. As a matter of fact, come on in. Come on into it, Timothy, because it's only a matter of time before they find you in your faith. So just make it up in your mind, I will suffer for Christ. 
Isn't it such a devil's lie at this season to make people think if they disjoin from a church like this at the tip of the spear, that suffering will not come from the, for them? Such a devil's lie. The suffering of Christ is upon the earth and it's upon our culture right now. And there's no way around it other than to hide your Christianity because everyone is going to be tested with fire, I believe, in this generation. So I love what Paul says. Just join with me right now. Make your decision up, Timothy, in your heart and mind that you're going to suffer for Christ. And now look at these examples. He says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So he says, Timothy, you're going to be tempted to try to use the tactics of civilians to avoid your suffering. But going back to the civilian side of things, it's not going to help you. It's only going to make you an easy target. Stay in the battle, Timothy. Follow your commanding officer. Officer. And that's the example we need today, isn't it? And I pray as you hear the deacon's testimony that you hear soldiers, come on, testifying about following their commander and saying, I am not entangled in civilian affairs. I am not only earthly minded about how my job thinks about me, what my family thinks about me, what my community thinks about me. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. And if I die, let me die in the army of the Lord. And if I die, let me die in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. See, that's how we know it's real. When the suffering starts, when the bullets are flying, when the, when the gun smoke fills the air, where are you? Are you in that foxhole holding it down or are we seeing your backside running the other way? The Bible teaches us that we are to look to God for our courage. So it's not just watch Braveheart and get carnally, fleshly pumped to do this thing. That will die off. Uh, Human-inspired, you know, uh, machismo will fail. The Bible says the youth grow tired and even weary, but those who wait on the Lord renew their strength. Our strength to be a soldier in the army of the Lord comes from the God we serve. He then says, similarly, anyone who part or competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. According to the rules. I see so many times people want to bend the rules to quit or to do something different. Pastor, I'm still part of Metro Praise. I'm just going to join another church, remove all Metro Praise things from my website and pretend I've never been here, but I'm still with you in heart. No, you, you just kind of bent the rules there. You basically just cut right across the track. Uh, field. There's everybody get what I'm saying. Pastor Joe, I'm, I'm still standing right behind you, 300 feet away, anonymously, and never coming back. No, compete by the rules. Are there rules when sometimes it's good to go and be undercover in the sense of how we live and, and display our Christianity? Great, yeah. Uh, but do we just give up on this, go somewhere else and say, I'm still running that race? No, my friend, you've left the marathon and gone to Chuck E. Cheese. You've left the battlefield and now you are playing the video game. 
We're still here. That's why I talk to soldiers all the time. It's so funny. I say, do you guys like the violent video games? They go, no, man, I've lived it. I don't need to play it again. I have done this. And that's the same thing. We're not playing make-believe church. When I sing with my heart, I'm a soldier in the Lord. That means I'm laying my family down. I'm laying everything down for Jesus. I'm going to compete by the rules. The last example he gives, he says, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And, And what that talks about is when you stick with the persecution, you get the first blessing. But when people leave, you don't get the blessing. Since we've been doing this, we've had about 30 people leave and about 30 people come. But imagine if the 30 would have stayed as the 30 people came. Everybody would have had a disciple to make a new disciple of Christ. But now instead we have some of our people with two and three disciples underneath them and it's, and it's going to be a great blessing to them. But they lost, these people lost the opportunity to reap a harvest because when it was time to now get from the suffering, because life is not just not suffering, the farmer's just not out there every day suffering. There's a time when you reap a harvest, you've got to be there to receive it. He said, reflect on what I'm saying. And the Lord will give you insight. Oh, okay, I'll reflect on that. And here we go in closing. Remember Jesus Christ. Everybody say, remember Jesus. Amen. Raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, those whom God has chosen, that they too may obtain salvation. That is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. Somebody say, this is trustworthy. Thank you. Here it is. If we died with him, we will live with him. That's talking about the death to our sins and living a new life, being born again. If we endure with him, we will reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Would you put up that last statement? Come on, somebody. How many are going to be reliable for Jesus today? Amen. Lord, may we be reliable. May we be trustworthy. May we be committed. And those of us who have been afraid or scared at different times, may we lay those at your altar, Lord, to see your faithfulness in our lives. It's just right now where you're at in an attitude of prayer, if, if you've felt like you've uh, you know, been in a battle, maybe not just with what our church has gone through, but in your own personal life, and you need God to give you strength and make you reliable and committed. Would you ask him for that grace so, to do so? Or if you've had a compromise, would you ask the Lord to forgive you? Or maybe you're here today and you've said, uh, you know, I've never really been a Christian before, but I want to be one now. Would you just, in your heart, confess your sins and make Jesus your Lord? But before we go on to this ceremony, may all of us here be committed to Jesus. Vinny, would you come, please? Father, we commit our lives to you. We commit to hearing you, listening, following, obeying. You said, don't fear those who can just destroy the body, but fear the one who can destroy both the body and soul in hell. You went on to say that not even a sparrow falls without your attention. Oh God, you have your eye on the sparrow. We ought not fear those who threaten our bodies, who threaten our relationships, threaten our jobs. You have your eye on us. Just a few moments right now. Would you make it personal to the Lord? Lord, I want to be a Timothy. Lord, I want to be Onesiphorus. God, I want to be faithful. 
I want to be committed. Lord, when you send forth the elders to look for reliable people in the church, may I be at the top of their list, O oh Lord. When you look for pastors to send out to the harvest, may, may I be there, Lord. When you look for God, a nation to pour out your spirit, may we be ready. A few moments, friends, a few moments. We call back anyone in this season who has let fear grip their heart or has been uncommitted, come back. We forgive you. We love you. Like Paul said in another part of the Bible, we do not hold it against you, so don't hold it against us. Come back. For those of you who are new here, we pray for bravery in your heart. We know that it's easy to come after the battle, but we don't hold that against you. We just ask you to stand with us now as a new battle may face us, that your hearts would be prepared and ready. The Lord told me we would have a 30-day reprieve that has ended in June. Now uh, it's all up for grabs again, right? Who knows what will happen? Uh, We're always um, under threat, as the Bible says, of persecution. But we know he's with us even unto the end of the age. Lord, if we remain committed, Lord, we will see this to the end. That's what you said, Lord, through those scriptures. You said, if we don't disown you, you won't disown us. Lord, you said, if we endure, we shall reign with you. Help set our hearts on heavenly treasures, things above. Help set our hearts, God, uh, on your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. If you can turn quickly to 1 Timothy chapter 3. The Bible teaches us what we're doing here today is to be done often in the church, as as often as we can find those who meet these qualifications. As a means in our church to do this, we have the process of discipleship, the one-on-one done in the book called the 101 or Welcome to Your New Life. And if you haven't signed up for that, please do with someone of the same gender, one of our leaders. And after you complete that, you join the 201 class, which is a book on Christian leadership, being a disciple of Christ. Uh, Generally, you'll hear today, it takes about two years to go through this process. And as they are faithful in their character and the prayer life and serving, we then honor them. First Timothy chapter three, verse one, talks about the elders. It says, if you desire to be an overseer, you desire a noble task. The overseer or elder must be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, must manage his family well and see that his children obey him, must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage their own family, how can they take care of the church of God? Must not be a recent convert or they may become conceited, fall under the judgment of, as the devil. He must also have a good uh, reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, the reason why I read all of that for elders, though we're not appointing elders today, we're appointing deacons, is because Paul, a good author, does not repeat himself. He just simply says in verse 8, in the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested. How many know they've been tested if they're still here today? Amen. They must first be tested. And if you know about our classes, as you get towards the end, there's some tests. And then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as as deacons. And notice here again, in the same way, 
responding to this leadership here. Women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, manage his children, household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. If you want to know more about what we do, you can just look up online our leadership structure or uh, one of the books over there will help you with the discipleship-based churches or our discipleship book, Disciples Making Disciples. Deacons are a gift to the church. They were first appointed when the apostle needed the apostles needed servants to help with the feeding of the widows we see that in acts chapter 6 and so ever since then the church has been appointing these kind of servant leaders and they are a tremendous blessing to the church my wife and i were them now we serve with them and it's been an honor even in this church to continue to ordain to appoint these folks to do these kinds of things and so today without further delay I'm going to ask that we bring up the table with uh, these wonderful plaques and things will be given to them. Guys, could we get the table as well? Thank you. We're going to do this as, with as much applause as you want. So it's not one of those places where you can't applaud. You can applaud for the guy bringing up the table. Come on. John, you're amazing. And Lauren. And so as a part of what we like to do here is we also like to honor those who discipled them at the early stages in the 101 stage. And so we'll be announcing those people as well. But uh, first to call out today is Cynthia Danielle Cruz Hernandez. And her wonderful husband, James Nelson Hernandez. Amen. We're going to do a picture with you guys by yourselves, and then I'll pop in there, and of course, you can decide which one you make as your Facebook profile, which is never with me. It's always the other one. It's always the other one. Now, how about you guys switch spots? Yeah, keep clapping, switch spots. There we go. There we go. Amen. Thank you. You guys can stand right here at that X. X marks the spot. And let's do their disciples, Birdo and Griselda Govea. Make sure we get a picture with these rock stars. Amen. Maybe bust off that mask. We don't want to look weird for the future. Our grandkids will be like, what was going on back then? That's it. That's what it looks like, discipleship. Thank you, Govez. You may be seated with these wonderful gift cards. Thank you for all that you do. Wonderful. Let's get up here. Vicente Rivera and his wife, Astrid Azurnia. Come on. You're going to bring up the family, let them celebrate with you? That's awesome. I'm assuming you don't need to hold this right now. You got something much more better in your hands. We'll give that to you guys in a little bit. We love celebrating with the family. Get a good picture with everybody. Looking sharp. Beautiful family. I'll just hop right in with this beautiful family. I'll hold your, I'm like so underdressed right now, but that's okay. That's okay. Amen. Let's give it up for this wonderful family. 
and their disciples, Jared and Susie Walker. What's up? Yeah, I'll hold this. You guys get a good picture. Get a good picture. Amen. Here's your gift cards. Thank you so much. You guys stand on this axe. We'll get you uh, your plaques here. You may hold these, my brother. Okay. There we go. Come on. Mary. Kaylin Ortega with her husband, Daniel Raul Ortega. And all the niños and niñas. Uh-oh, he's not feeling it. He lost his shoe. Pastor will help. Pastor will help her make it worse. Either way, I'll distract. You all right, little buddy? going to put that in just like that. It's okay. Life will go on. Life will go on. Yeah, he made it. Come on up here. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Church kids, pray for him. There he goes. Face him that way. Oh, that's beautiful. Wonderful. I love it. Give it up for this beautiful family, the Ortegas. And Berto Griselda, double for your trouble. Come back up here, mighty men and women of God, man and woman of God. Get a good picture with them. Relationships, reliability, that's what you're seeing. Commitment, praise God, responsibility. Amen. Thank you guys again. Give it up for the Goveas. Here you go. Come on, we give you double there. I need to get a picture with them, don't I? Yeah. Let's have you guys come back over here, actually. We're going to try to pretend we're doing the COVID thing. There is an X over there for you. There is an X yeah, right there. Vinny, do a photo bomb, okay? Photo bomb this. Did, did we get a photo bomb? Is it, is it good or do we need to do one without a photo bomb? Or, Okay, without a foot, without the poof in the back. All right, awesome. Okay, let's give it up for all these wonderful leaders. We're, we're going to do this with a mic. You guys have five or ten minutes collectively. So, no, please, stand right over here, brother. We got X's for you. I got, if you count, I got three X's. I am perfect for you guys today. This wonderful family here, beautiful. Two to three minutes. I think we can do some wonderful testimonies. Share your hearts. If we go long, second service folks will be all right. See, they'll just start hanging out, right? All right, thank you. Good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us in celebration. Uh, this is very uh, emotional and uh, important to me because two summers ago, I was in the hospital for, for uh, suicide ideation for bipolar uh, depression and last summer I started 201 and I started uh, Bible college and now this summer I'm graduating 201 and I finished my first year of Bible college <laughs> and now I'm married having a baby this month I'm just so proud of everything that's happened and just everything's just been all faith in the Lord and my elders and my deacons and just 
love everybody in this church. I, I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for my wife bringing me here. I love you all. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. God is so good. A lot of you who know me from many years ago know that even being up here is just a testament to God's grace in my life. I'm not a woman of fancy speeches, you know. I've been uh, plagued with like stutter my whole life, and it's kind of, you know, taken over. But uh, God is good, and there's no shame. And I'm just thankful to be here speaking in front of you guys to be a testimony to God's grace and his power in the Holy Spirit. Um, like my husband said, um, before we were, uh, well, before he was in Christ, he was, you know, one way. And it's the same for me as well. I've actually been in Metro Praise for about 12 years. Uh, Berto and Susie and the team actually evangelized to me at Prosser Career Academy on Grand and Long. My sophomore year of high school, and they actually witnessed that I got into a fight that day. <laughs> Sorry. And um, since then, um, I've been kind of serving and not serving, you know, and kind of playing both sides. I ended up going to college, which I thought was one of the best things that ever happened to me, but it really took me down a, a rabbit hole that it took me a long time to get out of. I say that college was the best and worst thing that ever happened to me. I gained a lot of knowledge, but I also gained a lot of garbage. I gained a lot of chains. And I'm not, you know, speaking against, like, like secondary schooling. I think it's great if you can get into a good place, blah, blah. But I just let um, the lies of the devil just kind of take control of my life. I ended up being on drugs for a long time. And I'm not uh, talking about, like, small, you know, like, party drugs. I'm talking about, like, heavy drugs, like... Like, like people don't trust you, drugs. And um, the Lord has restored me tenfold, you know. Uh, people in my family who, you know, may have not trusted me for, us, you know, for this and for that have now given me, you know, reign in their lives, you know, to pray for them, to fight with them, to go to battle with them. And it's an honor. And um, I'm just thankful to the Lord thankful to my church I'm thankful that um, that the Lord came back for me you know and I'm just standing here making this stand that I am a disciple of Christ I'm going forward I stand for the institutions of the Lord I stand for family I stand for states I stand for a nuclear family everything that 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 the Lord has given America I stand for in the name of Jesus, and I'm thankful to be here with my husband, taking the stand going forward. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, um, so I really am one out for speeches, so my stand be really short. <laughs> um, it's just an honor, you know, to be up here and just to have reached this milestone, you know, in my walk with God. Susie has known me since I was 13. And I am 27. She has seen me go through some phases of my life where it's just, we look back and we can laugh. <laughs> and we actually, you know, we're here a long time ago. We left for six years because of our pride. And my daughter is the one that brought us back. And it's just been so good to see God's promises just being fulfilled. And just, you know.
through just going through our walk and everything that we've gone through, just seeing how God has helped us through everything. And he has been so faithful. And then when we came back, like me and my husband told each other, like, we're back, we're back for good. Like, no turning back, no making excuses. Like, if we're here, we're all in. Because this whole wishy-washy stepping in, stepping out, playing with fire, that wasn't it for us. So it's just been great to see how God has worked his way with us and has changed us. Like, our character has changed so much from before to now. Like, I used to be such an angry person. And now it's like, now I have, like, the joy of the Lord, you know. And it's just so great to see how faithful he has been. Whew. So like my wife said, um, yeah, we left for about six, seven years roughly. It was all because of pride. Um, during this time, it was a, a heart of greed that like consumed us, um, me especially. Um, seeing that I have a family, I have kids, I still live the life of like feeling alone. Like something was always missing, you know, throughout these years. And, you know, my daughter would be like, hey, can we go to the church we used to go to, you know? like And, and like she said, always saying these things, no, we'll go somewhere else, you know? And we started coming back around, and I'm like, only on Wednesdays. We'll take you to King's Kids. That's it, you know? You get what you're asking for, and, and we'll call it a day, you know? And then my wife started talking with Susie, and then they're like, hey, uh, they want to do one-on-one with us. And I'm like, mm. You know, anybody but them, like, I, I don't, I'm not going to do a discipleship. I'm not going to be, you know, um, invested. I'm just going to come on my Sundays and, and I'm going to, you know, walk out the door and, and that's that. But it's just showing, um, God has showed us so much, you know, we, we experience his love, experiencing that he has allowed us to, to rededicate our lives to him. Me and my wife, our daughter, we were all um, baptized again here, you know, and, and it's just, um, it truly has blessed us. This has been home, you know, and, and, and like Joe said, we're soldiers. We're here to fight. We're here to fight, you know, for the Lord, and we're here to go hard, and, and, and that's it. We're just going to keep going, you know. Ooh, praise God. Ooh, it's hot. I don't know how you're doing it, brother. There's no lukewarm here, though. That's for sure. Um, so uh, awesome. Vicente is actually my, my accountability partner. Um, so it's just so such an honor to even be up here with them side by side. But uh, yeah, God's been good. God's been faithful. Um, I'm humbled and honored to be able to serve you guys. Uh, when I first came here, um, this was my daughter's first birth, well, first Sunday after being born. Uh, Sirisha over here um, we felt like God wanted us here and you know I've been in churches before and uh, the first thing I asked uh, was you know what can I do uh, you know everyone loves some free labor right um, but this was the first church that stopped and said let us serve you before before you serve us and um, you don't get that often you don't get that often. The world, well, the world will use and abuse, but God will build up. And these are people who represent people who build people up. I've seen that. I've seen this church build up my wife as she got baptized here. I've seen it build up my children, build up my marriage, build up my everything, my relationships with my family, but even new relationships with those who are closer than family. And all I can say is, once again, I'm, I'm honored, just honored to be able to help serve back with you guys. So 
transforming love that Jesus that Jesus has. And um, I loved my sin. Uh, I went chasing after it, and uh, it left me broken and empty. Uh, I, I hated my life. I um, every night I would consider, think of how I could end my life. the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Wonderful. What I'm going to do is ask that you all would stay up here, that we would have our elders and deacons kind of come around here. We're going to try to do this as COVID-ish as we can. So just kind of, yeah, keep that barrier. Do I have your permission and no pressure to anoint your head with oil? If I, if I don't, it's okay. Trust me, God understands. We, we are not COVID deniers here, no matter what uh, CNN has said. We believe that real diseases are among us, but we're going to practice safety. And at the same time, it only has about a 99.99 death rate for those who are infected at the same, same time. Okay. You, so survival rate. If it was a death rate, we would be in trouble. 0.001% surviving. No, sorry. Okay? Maybe make your guys' way a little bit more this way. These are those who have already been elders and deacons. And there you go. We're going to just stretch our hands towards them and pray now. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for the Hernandez family. Bless them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we appoint them and ordain them to do mighty things for you. We place a hedge of protection around them in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask you to bless their marriage, bless their family. May they be an example everywhere they go. Provide for them financially. Give them boldness and courage, Father. In your name we pray, in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you. We thank you today for the Rivera family, God. We thank you for them, Lord. Thank you for every one of these precious children, the ones that were used to bring them back. We pray, God, that they will grow as a family, that they'll continue to do devotions around their table, that as the children get older, Lord, they won't depart from your ways, oh God. 
We pray for fruitfulness in all that Vicente and Astrid do, O Lord, that they'll be holy, God, for you are holy, that they'll be a soldier in the army of the Lord, God. Bless them, God, bless them. We thank you for them. We ordain them in your house today, Lord, to be deacons. Lord, we thank you today for Daniel and for Mary and the wonderful Ortega family. We pray that your spirit would be upon them, that they would be lifted up, God, as they follow you, O Lord, and that they would be an example, O God. And as people look to them, may they go back down, God, to their knees and serve, O God, to be like a servant washing feet, O God. So as you lift them up as an example, may their hearts always be uh, lifted low or brought low before the cross. May they always be at your feet, O God, serving your people in your name, doing it as unto you. Bless their children. Bless their family. Bless their finances. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen and Amen. We present to you the new deacons. Hallelujah. Can you all come together for one group picture, please? One big group picture. We usually have about two ordinations a year. So wonderful summer ordination. Our ushers are going to start preparing this exit. This is going to be especially important today. After this group picture, we'll do a a closing dismissal, and then we'll dismiss that way in second service, folks. You can start coming in. Oh, praise God. From whom all blessings flow. Getting the wide lens. Yeah. Looking cool. Everybody looks so nice. Amen. Amen.